Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You guys have heard me talk about Red Door Grill for almost a year now on 610 Sports Radio, and they're the proud sponsor of the Bobcast. And I'll tell you what, I'm a proud eater at Red Door Grill. In fact, my family and I love going to Red Door Grill, not just on Mondays for burgers or Thursdays for fried chicken, but just about every single day of the week. Because every time we walk into a Red Door Grill location, we're walking out of there feeling satisfied, feeling great, and knowing we got some of the best food in Kansas City. $5 burgers on Monday is where the week starts. You're not going to find a better deal than that. The best burger in town for just $5. You want some fries, it'll cost you a buck more. And then on Thursday, we have the jalapeno dipped fried chicken. That fried chicken starts marinating on Monday. It marinates on Tuesday. It marinates on Wednesday. It's got the herbs and spices to get into that chicken, and then boom, they flash fry it on Thursday to give you the best fried chicken that you'll ever have. And then, of course, happy hour every weekday, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6. That's where we cash in sometimes on Fridays as well. Enjoy those great drinks. Enjoy the great appetizer specials from 3 to 6 every single weekday at Red Door Grill. And with three locations, there's one close to everybody. 159th and Antioch, 119th and uh, Row in Town Center Plaza in Leewood and Camelot Court. And of course, you can find the location in Brookside as well. It's Red Door Grill. For the first time since Coach Z was head coach at UMKC, Kansas City can get excited again about the ruse. That's because Billy Donlin is in as head coach. Back in March, he was hired to be the new head coach at UMKC. After being an assistant at Northwestern in Michigan and a head coach at Wright State, Donlin's got a ton of experience. In fact, he was so good back in 2013, he was the Horizon League Coach of the Year. And Billy Donlin's now in Kansas City to lead the UMKC Ruse. I keep telling people, man, and, and I talked with uh, with Dr. Martin on, on one of these podcasts as well and said the same thing to him that I'm going to say to you to open this up. I don't remember ever really being this excited about UMKC basketball. For a guy who doesn't have any skin in the game or any stake in the game of an alum or anything like that, I'm excited for UMKC basketball because now I can see a legit program that you guys are trying to build that we can all in Kansas City rally behind and have something to be proud of that can kind of unite us like the Royals did in 2014 and 2015. Instead of everybody being divided with their loyalties, we can all come together on this. How cool is it for you to have the opportunity to create something like that here in Kansas City? Well, it's once in a lifetime. You know, there's very few opportunities where there's a program that's never been to the NCAA tournament. And I think just like your reference to Kansas City, our whole country loves the underdog. I mean, when you look at the NCAA tournament, if you do go to a game and a lower seed is beating a higher seed, that, that, wherever that venue is, everybody's cheering for the underdog. And right now, because we've never gone at UMKC to the tournament, we're the underdog. And I'm, it's great. Dr. Martin's done a tremendous job of creating an excitement, uh, since he's arrived in December. Uh, and hopefully we're just continuing to build on it. But it's a it's a terrific area. It's a sports savvy uh, city, as you know. It's a blue collar area, which is what I'm what I'm used to growing up in the Midwest myself from from Illinois. And 
Um, you know, this is a great opportunity, and there's no reason why we can't do it. For a young guy, you've been around a lot. Northwestern, I mean, you've been a head coach already. This is your second opportunity at that. And the Northwestern one is interesting. I know you weren't there the year they went to the NCAA tournament, but you were there the year after they went to the NCAA tournament. And UMKC kind of in that same vein, never been to the NCAA tournament. You saw what it meant to Northwestern. What could it mean to Kansas City? Well, it just changes your world. I was I was in the Colonial Athletic Association at UNC Wilmington, and we went to the tournament several times. And one of those years, we won the league, and George Mason went to the Final Four. Then I went into the Horizon League at Wright State, and Butler went to back-to-back national championship games. And what that did for both Butler and George Mason and Wright State and UNC Wilmington with basketball success applications went up from all around the world not just the country all around the world the the diversity increased and that's what basketball and athletics is really the front porch of of your university and our Mm -hmm. society whether right wrong and no matter how we feel about it that's just the reality of it and if we can have success man I, i really think umkc is a special place it's in a beautiful location it's 12 minutes from downtown kansas city we have the plaza half a mile away if that um it's a diverse campus so it's a real world education all those things excite me from a recruiting, from a selling standpoint. But certainly if we can have success and more people outside of our area start looking at UMKC and seeing the Block School of Business, seeing the computing and engineering program that has national reputation, seeing our graduate programs, our, our dentist school is one of the best in the country. If we can bring more publicity to those things based on winning basketball games, I, I think – uh, that's the incredible opportunity about being here. And, and I think also, too, a lot of that same stuff you said could be applied from, from that one year you spent at Northwestern, like watching that university mm. change and people actually get excited about sports at Northwestern and, and, and using that as a, as a reason to go to college there. I mean, it really is amazing how sports can transcend and make people want to go to school someplace. Well, there's a reason after the Northwestern basketball season that then there was $500 million in facilities done immediately, completed in, in the next three years. Brand new basketball arena brand-new practice facility, and then Peyton Manning said that the Northwestern football practice facility is the best of its kind at any level, and that just got completed. And, you know, what Dr. Phillips, uh, the uh, director, the vice president and director of athletics at Northwestern has done, what Pat Fitzgerald, the football coach, what Chris Collins, the men's basketball coach, has, has done at Northwestern is no small feat. But to your point, winning brings a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. It brings notoriety, it brings fan engagement, and it certainly brings financial contributions to help you continue to grow. Well, in, in Northwestern, too, it, it, kind of a city school. I mean, it's mm-hmm. in Evanston. It's right there on the outskirts of Chicago. UMKC is a city school. You know, fans can get behind that even if you didn't go to those universities. So when you're trying to build a program in a city like Kansas City and trying to engage Kansas City, trying to engage me and my kids and my family, what are you doing to engage us? How do you bring us on board? Well, I think, first of all, you've got, you got to do a lot of things within the community. Our guys are, you know, once a week since I've gotten the job, I've done some sort of community service, whether it's reading with young children, whether it's helping people that, that uh, help helping feed the homeless. We'll do a lot. My mother died of breast cancer nine years ago. My brother-in-law died of ALS five years ago. So we'll do a lot in the community with those two um, organizations. But I, I think you have to be out in your community. Uh, in terms of in your off season in season and then in terms of your on the court product i think bob you know you've covered sports your you know i think your whole adult life mm-hmm. the reality is i think we all respond to people that play hard play together and try to play the right way and i i know that's what we're going to do and i think from a fan engagement standpoint when you see that and you see the effort and if it's a style of play that people appreciate and if you do that and then you win 
you're going to get more people to come out, and, and the support is only going to grow from there. The community stuff is very interesting because that's how these podcasts started about a year ago. I want to talk to people who did good things in the community. It didn't have to be sports-related, just people who were doing good things in the community. And that spawned for me between the 2014 and 2015 Royals. As much as they were winning on the field, they were winning off the field, too. Every event they were at, they would do anything you wanted them to do. They were part of that community. And people fell in love with them both as baseball players and as people. And this is the type of town that if you just touch enough people, you're going to win fans over that way. And then you start winning games. And my God, you've got a generation of fans right in your back pocket like that. So I like the fact that you're in right away with the community type of stuff and making that important for you guys. Well, I think it's also, you know, our job as coaches, and we get away from it because it is a business. I mean, college athletics, especially on the basketball and the, and the football side, it's a big business. Mm-hmm. And there's no running from that. But we're also, as coaches, you get into coaching to help young men, or if you're coaching girls, young girls become women and young men become men. And getting them involved in the community is critical, not only for the short term of giving back to the UMKC community that gives us so much, but also the long term. When our guys graduate and wherever they decide to live, whether it's Kansas City, Los Angeles, Chicago, a small town, wherever they want to live, you want them to create the habit of getting of being a community involver. Mm-hmm. You know, you want community involvers, and we try to we really try to build that habit, teach that habit because it is so important, right? And it's what makes different areas special. I think that's what Kansas City is a big city, but it does have that small community feel. I've only been here six weeks, but I can sense that already with the passion for the Royals, the passion for the Chiefs, and the passion for the various colleges that are so close. To Kansas City, it's a, it's a it's a terrific opportunity for our guys. When you got the phone call from Doctor Martin and said, "Hey, you want to come coach at UMKC?" What were your initial thoughts on that? What was the first the conversation like? Was really ecstatic about it because I had played here uh, as a as a head coach at Wright State. I had been and I we'd played the game at Sweeney, mm-hmm. so I was familiar with with the on campus location and uh, you know I've recruited I've recruited the area um, over my career. And just felt like it reminded me a lot of Wilmington and Wright State, two places that had never won before we got there, and then did a lot of winning. And just felt like it just takes guys that want to be trailblazers. You know, you can only there's only a few places, like I said, that you can go and be the founding father of a program, mm-hmm. be the guys that really put it on the map. And that opportunity still presents itself at UMKC. And again, with the educational opportunity, the location, to your point, um, and the the success of the league. We're entering the league as it's beginning to peak. Four years ago, it was the 25th-ranked league in the country, which is not very good. This year, it's the 14th uh, this past season, and, and certainly been dominated by New Mexico State. But I think the caliber of coaching and the players in this league uh, is, is really on the upswing. And, and so you have the opportunity, as you mentioned, to be kind of a founding father of this program. I mean, since Coach Z left, the program has kind of been non-existent. And I, I think that that's a shame because I think there it, it is a program that's ready to just kind of burst at the seams, you know. And, and the last couple of regimes here, you know, say what you want about them and, and people will, but it just they didn't make that impact like you have to come watch our product. And You've already kind of done that. You've already tried to engage the community and be part of everything that's going on here in Kansas City. How much of your job is recruiting people like me versus recruiting players to come here to Kansas City, too? It's both. You know, we've got to get really good players, right? Because to your earlier question and, and point, if we get some really good players, especially here, we, Dr. Martin has talked about it, and I'm fully on board with his message and, and philosophy. We have to build a fortress around this great area of basketball. There are so many great coaches. Mm-hmm. And look, the better they're coached when we get them, the, a lot easier our jobs are going to be. And there's great coaches that teach co- competition the right way, that develop them the right way. We have got to build a fortress and keep several of the Kansas City 
the Missouri, the Kansas high school players, the junior colleges that are in the area, and then occasionally when guys choose other places and it doesn't work out there, look at how many kids transfer, we got to get them on the bounce back. And I think that also helps fan engagement because you probably follow the high school area. You follow Bishop Mies. You follow Blue Valley Northwest, the success of their programs. Um, you, you probably see, hey, this guy's going here. If we started getting those guys, somebody that doesn't have an affiliation to UMKC but has followed those guys, they're more likely to come to our games and watch our product and become a fan of our program. And so it's both. We've got to do a really good job of engaging the community, but certainly recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. And, is- and- Go, no, go ahead. I, I was going to say, is there enough talent in Kansas City to do that? Because everybody always wants to talk about you know closing down the borders and recruiting to their home base and all that kind of stuff. Is there enough talent here to make this a big enough basketball hotbed where you guys can survive and thrive on Kansas City? I, I think there is. I mean, I think when you just look at the history of other teams, I mean, Loyola went to the Final Four with Custer and Richardson, who's both from here, who are tremendous players. Mm-hmm. And, ha- and I mean, they, they did something that's very rarely done. Butler, VCU, George Mason, and Loyola in the modern era are the Final Four teams of the modern era. And, and Richardson and Custer had a lot to do with that. And do our roster should have four to seven guys from this area, if not more, every single year. Now, whether it'll be year one that way, because we just got it six weeks ago, I can't speak to that. But over time, with the great summer coaches that are here, the great summer programs or the shoe programs, whatever you want to call it, and like I said, the high school programs and the junior college programs, we have to, we can definitely win by building our fortress and keeping these kids here. You said to me before we started that you were out of town recruiting the other day. So when you go to visit people out of town that don't know UMKC, you're in you know a different part of the country, when you sit down in their living rooms, what are you telling them? Well, I think, first of all, you're selling the education piece. The fact that our student-athlete uh, GPA is a 3.3. Dr. Martin and his staff do an unbelievable job with all the student-athletes. I mean, a 3.3, I don't care where you are, Bob, that's really hard yeah. to achieve. And give our student-athletes and the people that work with them, a lot of credit for that. And then the degree is a meaningful degree. When you have top national-ranked programs in business, how many students want to major in business? The Block School of Business is a nationally-ranked program. The Computing and Engineering program is a nationally-ranked program. Several of our grad, post-grad programs are nationally-ranked. And Kansas City is centrally located. It's a great place to, to go to college. It's a safe area. I've got kids. You know, the first thing I think as a parent you want to know is, are you in a safe area? to go to? It's an incredibly safe area. And it's a place that people really want to be successful. And it's a diverse campus. And life is about getting along with people that don't necessarily look like you, that don't necessarily come from your same background, that don't have your same religious beliefs. The more at a younger age you're uh, dealing with people that come from different walks of life, the more successful you're going to be when you get out in the real world. And those are all things we sell in terms of – and that has nothing to do with the basketball. Then we talk about the basketball there mm-hmm. – how, how I think, you know, my six years at Wright State, I coached 18 players in six years as a head coach that went on to play in the top divisions, the first divisions around the world. That's three guys a year. Now, do we have NBA guys? No, but at the mid-major level, when you're getting three guys every single year to play in the first divisions of countries around the world and making, I've had guys make a million dollars in oh, Europe. Oh, they make good money They make over great there. money. Yeah. And so you have all those things that, that you talk about, that you sell, that takes a great amount of work. And then I do think, you know, Bob, I've, I've been really – talked about we have three pillars we value one is family first forever when you join our family it's a family for life whether you play 25 minutes a game and are a player of the year or whether you play five you know i i got i was remarried in august my wife melissa who has given up her career to come here she's an she's an unnamed partner in a law firm in chicago and you know she just gave birth 60 days ago uh tomorrow Mm -hmm. and you know for her i mean I, i wouldn't be anywhere without her amazing but at our wedding 30 of my former players came back 
and I could only invite guys that I was a head coach for because I've been coaching for 20 years, and that would have been an awfully expensive wedding. Sure. But then 18 sets of parents came back as well. And that's why you do it. When you go back to their weddings, your players' weddings, when they call you to tell you they were engaged, when they call you to tell you they're pregnant, that's why you do it. So this is really a family atmosphere. And, yeah, sometimes families fight. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard, but that's okay. And then the second thing is you, you want winning work ethic. You've got to do what it takes to win. And then the third one is be a person of character. And if you do those things, I really think the success takes care of itself. But that's what we talk about with our families when we recruit. Uh, that's how we – uh, we sell UMKC in our program, and I, I think it's so far with, with guys that have signed and committed uh, in five weeks, uh, it's been effective for us. Did your wife know when she met you that she may have to give up her career and, and follow you around the country with this basketball thing? She did, and I would not have, it, without her blessing and fully being on board, we wouldn't have done it. Really? And that's how much we both, yeah, she's got a great job. And, and I was really happy at Northwestern with Chris Collins. I grew sure. up there. Chris and I went to the same high school. Our high school coach, Brian James, is an assistant so think about that. Every day I go to work with my high school. I wouldn't have done anything without my high school coach as a player. And to do that every day at work, my dad still lives in the in the suburbs, not far from Evanston, as you mentioned earlier. Our families are there. If we didn't really believe in both living in Kansas City, raising our family here with the quality of per- people that are here, and th- if we didn't have belief that we could win at UMKC and compete for the NCAA tournament, we wouldn't have done it. And it was definitely a together decision. And like most households, Bob, I can't speak for yours. I know you're married. Uh, she's the boss of our household. Of course. So, it's usually so, just whatever you want, honey. That's it right. makes it easier whatever, that whatever way, right? Whatever you want. I just told her we might have a kid. This is how amazing she is. Not to, I just told her this morning, there's a young man who's pretty important to us. He said, Coach, I think I, can, I want to visit Saturday, Sunday. So I might get home pretty late for my wife's first Mother's Day. And she was great with it. Uh, she was great with it. But that's what our, you know, when you get into sports, you really are at the, you're, you're helping raise other people's children in a lot of ways. They're in, they're, their parents are entrusting you with their kids. And it can't just be about practice time and weightlifting time. It's got to be uh, the, the full experience. It's more than basketball at UMKC, and hopefully our players have already felt that. You mentioned the newborn, and I have written down in my notes, I said you have a 13-year-old and a newborn. Mm-hmm. Bro. And I didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> realize it was your second marriage yes. that you had the newborn yes. with. But I'm just looking at that going, man, you had a 13 years of one child and to decide we're going to have another one. But with, with a new wife, I right. guess, comes right. new uh, expectations, if you will. Yes. Huh? So she's gonna she wants to have more. So yeah. we better win some games. Yeah. Uh, but Marin Grace, my oldest daughter, who's amazing, she'll be an eighth grader and is excited to be here. Uh, and then uh, Emily is is our newborn. So Melissa, my wife, has been. She's just been really remarkable. You know, I told her that maybe with me she hit a bunt single, but with her I hit a you know the grand slam to win the World Series in Game Seven. Well, so, heck yeah, with a partner in a law firm, man, that's better than anything we're doing. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really lucky. So she's really smart. I just hope she doesn't get her eyesight back anytime soon. Yeah, you don't want that to happen. All right, I'm going to ask you a question that I've always wanted to ask somebody in athletics, but never really had the opportunity or the time or anything like that. So you're my guinea pig on this one. You guys claim to work a lot, right? Like all hours of the night and things, right? You're constantly working in sports, correct? Yeah, we work, but I, you know. I get a little upset, Bob, when coaches talk about we spend 21 hours a day in the office. Oh, it pisses me off. Like, you know, I think there's a lot. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not shoveling coal. We're not, you know, we're not. I mean, we we work. Do we work hard? Is it time commitment? Is it can it be stressful? Sure, because if you don't win, your shelf life can be short in in our profession, especially when you get to a certain level. But at the end of the day, it's our it's our passion. Anybody who coaches, whether you're a high school coach, a junior college coach, a Division one coach, a Division three coach or coaching in the NBA or coaching in the NFL. It's your vocation. 
Mm-hmm. And I've never been a guy to talk about these are all the hours we put in. And that's just, I just think there's so many hardworking American folk, and you don't hear other people outside of our profession talk about all the hours they put in. That's just not something I've ever believed in. Right. You know, and, and so. I mean that's that's how I've always felt about it. So so you so you admit you do you you work long hours. How do you have time to date? Like how did you meet your wife? Man, it's a great story. I don't know if she's going to be happy that I'm telling you this. So I was, I, you know, I had I had made the decision to leave Michigan, which was a really hard decision. John mm-hmm. Beeline belongs in the Hall of Fame, needs to be in the Hall of Fame, and my year at Michigan with Coach Beeline, who's a as phenomenal of a coach as he is, Bob. He's really a more incredible human being. And it was one of the best years of my life. And we actually lost in the Sweet Six. We won the Big Ten Tournament Championship, and we lost in the Sweet 16 here in the Sprint Center to Oregon. Yeah, We were up three with a minute to go and missed a free throw blockout, and that kind of changed the game. And then they beat Kansas right. to go to the Final so Four. So because you lost to Oregon, cost Kansas a trip at the Final Four. Well, maybe. I think we would have had a chance. <laughs> I mean, I think we would have had a chance. That's one of those hypotheticals. I think we would have had a chance. But, you know, with, with, with Coach, so I, 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 the job happened. The Northwestern opening came about. Uh, when Ohio State, the domino effect, Ohio State let Coach Mata go and just some dominoes. And so Coach Collins and I have known each other since we were in the fifth grade. He's a couple years older. And it was really hard to leave Michigan. So I left two months after I was single. And two months after I take the job, it's August 24th. And I'm out on a second date with a, with another another woman. And it just it's not going anywhere. And I'm sure for her, it's just not going anywhere. And I still hadn't found my place to live. So I'm living with my sister. And I decided I didn't want to drive back to the suburbs um, without eating. So mm-hmm. I decided I'm going to stop in uh, and have dinner at, at my favorite steakhouse in Chicago, which is called Mastro's. And I I walk up and because I'm alone, I'm going to eat up at the bar. And my wife is there with her sister. My wife to be, mm-hmm. Melissa, is there with her sister. And I'm 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 cooked from the minute I look at her. It's over for me. Really? So yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah real, it's over. Tongues she's on a, the ground. Yeah, yeah, She's a beautiful, beautiful woman. And then somehow. I'm able to, and I'm not a good conversationalist in this situation, um, but somehow we're able to. I'm able to break through and start a conversation. And Melissa's a big sports person. She's actually a terrific golfer. Played basketball growing up, so we just we just had great conversation. And she's a you know, you know as beautiful as she is on the outside, it doesn't compete with who she is on the inside. And was lucky, you know, we were engaged four months later. I think as you get older, you know when you know. Yeah, you do, and you know when you know, and and. Uh, I proposed uh, December 30th, and you know we got married this past August, and really remarkable how we met. And it's all because on a summer night, her sister Jenny was really in the mood for French onion soup. So how often is somebody in the summer of Chicago in the mood for French onion soup? Because that's the only reason why they went to Mastro's that night. And they have good French onion they've soup. Got, I, I'm, I'm not a French onion soup guy, but yeah. I'm going to take Jenny's word for it. She <laughs> says it's the best in the city, and that's the only reason why they went. Otherwise, we would never have met. So... Really lucky that the the person upstairs was was looking out for me. So what was like? What was your first question to her when you when you see her at the bar and you're like, oh my god, this this girl is hot, man. I got I got to find a way to start talking. Yeah, what, what do you yeah, do to strike up conversation? You know, I'm not good. I there was a couple next to me actually who was there on their 15th. They were spending the weekend. They were on their 15th wedding anniversary, and they were from Valparaiso, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And they, I just kind of started a conversation with them. Because I could tell Jenny and Melissa kind of kept looking. They're looking around like, you're people watching, right? Sure, when you yeah. go to a restaurant, you're people watching. And right. they remembered me because Valpo beat my Wright State team to go to the NCAA tournament. And so we just kind of talked. And then I could kind of see Melissa and Jenny looking. And then I just kind of said, hey, where are you guys from is really what started it. Yeah. 
And then it went from there. We talked about all kinds of things. Melissa comes from a big family. She's got there's five of them in five. Uh, she's got four, three sisters and a brother. There's five of them in her family and remarkable family. Her parents, Kevin and Annette, are incredible people. My my mother and father in law. So that's how it started. And the next night, this is probably too much information, um, but the next night we we decided just on a whim, let's go to the Lady Gaga concert at Wrigley, uh-huh. and that's kind of how it all. That's kind of how it all began. So that was you get good seats. Yeah, I got pretty good seats, but yeah. she had better seats. She did. It's crazy. So because I. She had tickets and I had tickets, and her tickets were front were the first row, and mine were a little mine were further back. But she trumped me. The lawyer trumped me per usual. Yeah, so, it's going to happen so a lot. It's going to happen a lot. And I have I don't argue with her. I just say yes, ma'am. Whatever, whatever you so want. So did you sit front row then for Lady Gaga? She, no, you know what? This shows she had uh, a really good girlfriend of hers that was coming that decided, hey, I want to go. So she gave her her tickets. And for her girlfriend and her girlfriend's friend, and then we sat in my seats. Yeah. So just uh, when you when you saw her do that, you know, because I was around as she was organizing all that, uh-huh. you just knew. I mean, you just knew. Like, forget. I mean, you just you just I I moved heaven and earth to try to to try to make sure that that I could keep her. Yeah. And now I got to continue every day to move heaven and earth to make sure I can continue to to keep her. Best concert you've been to or not? I tell you what. I mean, Lady Lady Gaga's. Her pipes are pretty remarkable, right? They're right? unbelievable. It's one of the, I mean, one of the best in-person concert from a voice standpoint. Un, I mean, unbelievable. And Wrigley's a great venue. I saw Jimmy Buffett with my dad. Oh, there did a you couple really? Of years ago, and it's just like my thing for concerts now has to be band plus venue f- to get me to go. Like I travel to see Guns N' Roses now. I'll go I, when they were in L.A. I went out there. I went and saw them in St. Louis because they were banned in the '80s from St. Louis. So it's like band plus venue equals yes, I'll go and willing to travel. And if you're performing in Wrigley, uh, that's that's a pretty good venue to go watch a concert. It's really you know? good. I've seen. Uh, I'm a big Billy Joel fan. We saw him here at the K last year. Great. Was he really? Yeah, good? Yeah, it was awesome, man. Yeah, Played all the great. hits and did everything you wanted him he's to do. Great. You know? Did he's you great. see him at Wrigley too? I saw him at Wrigley three years in a row. Uh, I would come back because I'm a you know my nickname in high school uh, was the Piano Man. Can you so play? I can't. And I I think I'm a good singer like anybody else in the sure. shower, but I'm not. Right. And uh, but. You know, my senior year, we had a really good team. We were, uh, we finished twenty nine and two my senior year of high school, and um, but as the season went on, we were undefeated for a very long time, and I I was a three year varsity starter, and I just so I had been through a lot of the battles, you know, and I could tell our guys would get tighter as our season went on, and, and when you're winning like that, you really shouldn't be that way, because the tighter you get, then you're gonna yeah. you're gonna struggle, so. I would start singing because it was really at the time the only song other than the the national anthem that I knew by heart that I could sing was Piano Man. I mean, I knew a lot. If you played a song, I could, I knew the lyrics, but to just play it off, to just sing it off the cuff with no background. Uh-huh. So going to every road game on the bus ride, I started to just sing Piano Man. Not very well, but the guys would laugh and loosen up. So by the end of the year, my nickname was a Piano Man. So I've been a Billy Joel fan my whole life. And finally saw him for the first time at Wrigley a couple of years ago. It was awesome. It's on the bucket list to see him at the Garden. Though. Yeah, yeah. Got to try to do that one time. Give me a little sample of your singing. No chance. Come That's on. That's great. That's great. But no chance. <laughs> I, I don't want to. If we have created any fans, Bob, I don't want to lose them all after this interview. <laughs> Outside of basketball and your family, and I know your dad's big to you. Who who do you admire most? Who's your biggest influence? My dad, my mom. Yeah. I was blessed. My mom died of breast cancer, as I said, nine years ago, and triple negative, and beat it for eight years. Ninety. Five percent death rate within the first three years, and really the first six months. I think back then, I don't know if the numbers have changed, but been really blessed with incredible parents that mm-hmm. taught you the value of hard work, that taught you to be a good person, 
um, be good to other people. And then from a basketball standpoint, my oldest sister, Heather, was my idol. She's basically seven years older than me. And she played at Fordham in the Bronx and has a record that I don't think will ever get broken. She shot 58% from the three one season. So that's an NCAA record. And she's five foot one, Bob. So think about that. She's an elite three point shooter, played at a pretty good level at Fordham. And her work ethic was like nothing I've ever seen. And so when you're six years younger and you're watching that, um, you know, you're learning. And she was just my idol because she's five foot one. And a lot of people said, she, you can't do it. You can never be a Division One player. And she, she took the naysayers. She told the naysayers, you can, you can shove that where the sun doesn't shine, right? And we all need to do that because we all get told things that we can't do and yep. if we work. And so I've had a great family. But then certainly other coaches, Brad Burnell, who was my college assistant coach, Jerry Wainwright, Coach Wainwright was my head coach. Great, great people. I worked for Coach Burnell for eight years. He's now the head coach at Clemson and um, you know, Coach Beeline, even in that, even in that year, and then certainly Chris Collins, mm-hmm. been been. But I go back to my junior high coach Dudley Brown uh, in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, my my, I played in the league in Evanston, and we still stay in touch. He was he's been very important to me, and that's why you coach. You know, I, I heard a coach once, Bob, talk about we were at a we were at a, an event, and it wasn't a it was it was not a sporting event. It was a uh, it was a fundraising event, and they brought in a, a, a legendary football coach at the University of Dayton. He'd won a lot of games at the University of Dayton. And I, I, I'm sad, and I, I'm, his name is escaping me. It's bad. But he said to everybody, I want you to think of three people that you're not related to, that are not related to, no brothers, no siblings, no parents, no grandparents, not your wife's family if you have a wife, nobody you're related to in that way. I want you to think of the three people that have helped you the most in your life outside of that. And then he said, I want everybody to stand. So everybody, there's 500 people there stood. If one of those three people is a coach, remain standing. Bob, honestly, I think everybody remains standing. Everybody. Then he said, if two of the three are a coach, remain standing. And, you know, maybe 30 to 50% of the people sat down. It wasn't two of the three. If all three, then probably there was only 15% remain standing. If you just think about the impact that coaches have, if you play a sport, or teachers have, if you're mm-hmm. a musician, if you're into acting – that they have in our lives from the the time we're young. That's what that's what sports has done for me, uh, and I'm incredibly lucky. I've been incredibly lucky to be able to do my passion for my entire life, and wouldn't be anywhere without those coaches that started me at a young age. So I always tell those coaches that are coaching, like my daughter now, your influence is as significant as somebody that plays for Coach Shashevsky or Coach Beeline or Chris Collins, because that's the influence you have on those young kids at a young age. What do you think the key to success is at UMKC? I think the big, the big, you know, the big key from a recruiting standpoint is is we have to we have to build a fortress. We've got to get the players here from here. We've got to get guys to stay and believe and value what we have. And I just think the 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 key to any program is inspecting what you expect every day when you're when you're running the program and getting kids to believe, right? Because it's never been done. And I think that's what Chris Collins did an amazing job at Northwestern is. It's my job, it's our staff's job to get our guys to believe that we can do something that's never been done. And that has to be talked about every single day. So from a recruiting piece, it's building a fortress, and then we have to get our people to believe. Because what's belief? Faith. It's faith without proof. That's what belief is. Mm-hmm. So we don't have any proof because it's never been done. Now, have we done it at other places? Yes. And that's where you need guys with that personality where they want to go in and be the first to do it. They want to be the founding fathers. They want to be the trailblazers. And those are the kinds of guys we have to find. Before I let you get out of here, I'm not going to let you off easy. How many people 
are disappointed when they hear you're going to be there. They think it's Billy Donovan, and then you show up. A lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot. And, I, I can't tell you how many times people think, I heard Billy Donovan? Oh, my God. I'm like, oh, and Donovan. I don't, I'm disappointed, too. And so I'm disappointed. But my dad was actually the person that recruited and coached Coach Donovan to Providence College. Yeah. So it's amazing, and he's been great. He's been a great mentor to me as well. Um, but yeah, I get it. If Billy Donovan wanted to come right now, I'd probably offer my resignation. Uh, he's so good. He's a great coach. Um, but it happens all the time. The Donlin and the Donovan, it, it happens. You know, a lot of those, a lot of those, uh, us Irish names, we can sound pretty from similar at times. Is your dad going to sit on the bench with you at UMKC? He's not, not right now. It's been a hard thing. It's been, it's been really hard. Uh, he's, he does a lot for, um, fundraising and for the American Cancer Society. He's, he's really, um, Pediatric brain cancer has been a big thing for him, and he's doing a lot there in Chicago, and he's really found his niche. You know, when you retire, my dad is the kind of guy that always needs to be kept busy. So right now, that's not in the works, but it, it could happen, but I would say right now, no. Good deal, Coach. Thank you. Bob, thank you for having me. As you can tell, Coach Billy Donlin brings a lot of energy to Kansas City, and hopefully he's the guy that can get the Ruse back on the map and into the NCAA tournament for the first time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.